This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do. Make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the wavy pencil pants again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone. Hi, hello. It's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am here with Michael Showalter, which is very exciting because we have quite a history, which I'll go Mm -hmm. into. You know Michael Showalter from The State, The Baxter, Wet Hot American Summer, Stella, Michael and Michael Have Issues. What am I leaving out? That. (laughs) That weird drum roll. Wait, no, that was a. Uh, what was that? That was one of my segments. But oh my god, I'm. It's like it was gal chat. I. Oh, sorry, I bumped the wrong button. That's okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. And then Michael got uh, a text. Mm. Let's just get this important thing out of the way. Lou Reed died. I know. Did you receive a text saying that? Yes. I know. It's sad. It's super I don't sad. know. At this point, I don't know yet how he died. I don't know if they've said it. Uh. Did complications complications from a liver transplant. Mm. Who texted you? My wife. Oh. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh it's very sad. It's really sad. I'm a huge uh fan of the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. So uh makes me sad. It is he was seventy one. He was young. Yeah. That's that, young. That that was my reaction too. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm closer to seventy one than I am to zero. So I don't yeah. like that idea. Mm-mm. Do you feel old or do you feel young? I feel like, you know what? I've always felt old. Really? At every, even as a child? No, even as, no. At every point in my life, starting after college, I have felt that I was too old to be where I was at that point in my life. So I've always like felt you were, like. You felt like you were behind? Yes, always. What do you think that's from? I don't know. So like at every stage of my life, I've been like, by this point in my life, I shouldn't be where I am. I should be somewhere else. It's not good. It's not a good Mm-mm. thing to feel that way. It's kind of a type A thing. Is it? Um, do you consider yourself type A? Not at all. Okay, then no, it's definitely not. Do you feel like – see, I have some I have some similar things in that I peaked early. I was like, damn, I am way ahead of everyone because I, I did a lot of stuff young. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they caught up and just – because when you do stuff young, there's other stuff. Like when you have professional success young. What did you, you do early? I started writing professionally when I was 18. Uh, and getting jobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I was published in the LA Times when I was still in high school. Mm. But when when you do that, then there's other things that are sort of age appropriate that you don't do, social things. So right. I was behind in other stuff yeah. and I feel like I'm just maybe beginning to catch up. Like mm-hmm. do you feel like you're where you should be now? Are you still behind? I mean, see, I think I don't think I should be anywhere. And that's part of the problem, I think, is the idea that I should be anywhere. So just the fact that I think I should be anywhere is what makes me always feel like I'm not where I should be. Yes. You mean you should have a more sort of wherever you like in the moment Zen attitude. 
Okay, this brings me right into something that we should discuss, which is you recently moved out here from Brooklyn. You're a longtime fan of Brooklyn, a person who would speak at length about the superiority of it. this. This goes right no, into our I would never say superiority. I would never say superiority. The wonderfulness of. Did I say that? That not in that word. Is that what I said? Well, I feel like I, just, I need to say. I just didn't want you to leave. I just didn't want to be abandoned. I'm sorry I left you. Okay. But look, here you are. You followed mm-hmm. me out here. <laughs> the last time I saw you in New York, I remember I trudged, literally trudged over to your house. In the snow. In the snow. It was a huge storm. Huge storm. And I trudged over Thank to your you. house in three feet of snow. Thank you. And did your podcast. Did you get home okay? Oh, yeah. I know. You You were on Allison Rosen is your new best friend, the Ustream show. Correct. You wore the big glasses and everything. Uh, glasses. You had a good time. Was that the last time you saw me? Because I no. we used to live – we lived in sort of neighboring neighborhoods. That sounds wrong. And so we bump into each other a lot on the street and you were always on the cell phone. Yeah. That's OK though. It's not OK. It is. A, really? Not, I don't think so. You I'm defended a, it the last time I'm I called you on it. I'm addicted to my phone. And you said that you like to walk when you talk. Yeah, but I think it's becoming a problem. I'm using my phone to escape reality. Oh, um, well, then, so you mean there wasn't anyone on the other line? No, there like, was. Say hi to her. There was, but it's just like I'm just making up people to call. Oh, are you like a cab driver? Yeah. Because when I, whenever I, I'm in a cab, I think, who the hell are they talking to for this long and what do they have to say? Exactly. You're one of those? No. I just think that I am, am ADD and so I'm just like always like, I got to call somebody. Let me call somebody. Let me think of somebody to call. I'm the opposite. I think – let me not call that person back. You know who I, th- I think Adam Carolla might be? I think he gets in the car and instantly starts just dialing people. Making calls. Gary, are you on the receiving end of these calls yet? Yeah, absolutely. Really? The calls that are just the ones I've, – I've not received one from him. No. But the ones that I've just heard he has where he basically just calls to complain about something but not related to work. Uh-huh. Really? Got one 20 minutes ago. Wow. Yeah. See? You should get paid for that. See? I am paid for that. I guess that's true. Uh, so what do you call people to talk about? Just whatevs. How you doing? What's going on? How you, what, what's new? That's not how the Corolla calls go for the record. Oh, how do they go? Uh, I, he just starts talking about something. But it's never, it's never how's it going. Yeah, no, there's uh-huh. not. It's, it's yeah. real one-sided. Right. Yeah. yeah, I try not to do that. Um, Maybe but- you're just – you're good at staying connected with people and you're a good conversationalist. No, you're shaking your head. I don't think so. Okay. I think I'm just really literally just fidgety mm-hmm. and when and I and I'm genuinely mean it. I want to I want to to become less phone uh you know, less always on my phone. Um But the last time I saw you, yes. speaking of Adam Corolla, was I was in this building oh, doing right. your show. That's right. And you autographed a copy of your book, Mr. Funny Pants. That's right. And in it, you said that you um, took credit for my success and mm-hmm. that I shouldn't take that away from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I won't. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so, all right. I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to stack some questions yeah, here. Yeah, because we go way back to when you were working at Time Out. That's what I was Or was s- it New York Magazine? It was Time Out in New York. Time Out and you were mm-hmm. interviewed me and Mike. And- yes. Okay. So let's get to that. So, Okay, this. so I'm just going to lay out some questions, and you're not going to answer them. It's going to be real annoying, but we have a history with that. I mean, you're not going to answer them until I get this whole thing out. Okay, Got it. so what I was going to say was, do you find it easier to be balanced and more in the moment in L.A. than New York? 
But no, you know what? I'm going to actually – let's answer that and then we'll go into our history. Okay. Yeah. So you're basically saying how do I like LA? Yes. Well, first of all, we haven't – we still have our our Brooklyn place. You own a building in Brooklyn, right? I wouldn't call it a building. Uh, You did last time. It's – wow. You really – Remember. Have a photogenic memory of the last time we spoke and what I said. Only if the only only in regards to you. It's not a building. It's a an establishment. Okay. I don't. I'm I don't know what. I don't know what the difference is, but how many units are in it? Two. Oh. Okay. Is it? Would a you duplex? call that a building? It's a townhouse. I would call it a town. Well, I. Th- I believe you – last time I saw you, you said you, like this, you got married this and then you owned a, a building. building. This is a building. This is a warehouse. Where we are right now is a building. OK. Um, where I am is an establishment. You're, you were – you became a landlord. Of sorts. I have – we have a basement unit and uh, there was someone living in it. Mm-hmm. And now um, there's someone living in where we were living and they also have a tenant. So it's – it's, there's people living there now paying rent. But so you so maybe you one still... day maybe one day we'll go back. It's right. it's undecided. It's unclear. But we're here for now. I'm committed to it. Um, and and are there things about New York that I miss? It's not even about New York. Maybe you can identify with this. It's the, I already it's, am. it's the East Coast. It's really not even a New York thing. It's. But I know you're from L.A., right? You're from Southern California. Yes, I'm so, from here originally. So this is very – like I'll – I have a lot of nostalgia for when the weather – when – a lot of it for me is about the weather. Nice. I, I like cold weather. I like this, the seasons to change. I like uh, marking time through the changing seasons and I genuinely miss that part of not even being in New York, just being East. Mm -hmm. So now it's like football season. Gary, you like football? Love football. So where are you from, Gary? I'm from the same hometown as Allison, actually. Oh, so you you guys, oh, really? Did you know each other? No, because I'm older. Okay. Well, it's, it's like all these football games. It's like a lot of these games we're watching where they're playing those games. It's cold. Cold. Super Bowl is going to be freezing this year. Yeah, and they're wearing sweaters, and they had a. They're like you know drinking chicken soup, and like we just were in Portland and Seattle, and I was like, there's a better way to live where it's where you can wear coats all the time, and there's no sun. Right. It's exactly right. I I feel like I'm so much more suited to. Well, I mean, I'm suited actually to snow and all that, and also this fog. I'm not. I'm not a summer person. And 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 it's also just that that it's this sort of the same day every day. Yes, the same sunny, perfect day. It's frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. I find that frustrating. And like, I'm a big sports fan. I like watching sports quite a bit. And it's like the World Series. It's like. They're playing the World Series and it's like done now. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon and they're already finished the game, you know? Yeah, you gotta get up at eight thirty to make it to a bar to get a seat for a football game. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, eight thirty in the morning you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And that's not right. That <laughs> how, is not how it should be. How long have you been here? I've been here since June. So it's okay. like where where what I'm used to is, you know, hey, it's eight o'clock at night, it's dark, it's cold, you've had your day. Let's, uh, you know, let's, 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 you know, eat dinner in front of the TV and watch the World Series. Yeah. Where it, and, and it's dark out. Blah, blah, blah. But out here, it's like, 
let's eat brunch and then go watch the World Series where <laughs> in another city it's not, it's night and cold. I don't like that. Now you moved out here to be a writer on, or produce, writer producer on Rebel Wilson's show. Is that correct? That is correct. I mean, I uh, super fun night. That's correct. Yes, I uh, I have a writing partner, Christina, and she and I uh, took a gig, took a gig writing on the Rebel Wilson show, and uh, it's been phenomenal. So we we love it. Were you at all? I mean, you obviously submitted. I assume is that how you got the jobs by submitting a packet, or was no, there, no, no? Was, did they reach out to you or? Um, we were we were introduced to the people that make that show by um, the studio that produced that's doing the show Warner Brothers as a hey you you should talk to these guys they are interested in coming out to LA and, and staffing on a show oh all right well my question was going to be when you found out you got it was it a thousand percent hooray or were you a little bit like oh this means I I have I'll be leaving Brooklyn now well it was. It, it, I was interested in moving to Los Angeles, okay. and so there. This was all part of a larger, um, a larger plan, which was to move out to Los Angeles. So How it, come? Um, because uh, I've been in New York for a long time, and a lot of the people that I work with, um, and it seems like every day it's more. A lot of the people that I work with, such as yourself, um, right after I left, then it have, was like, what's the point? Um, you know, but it's really interesting in the last five, you know, like in the last five years, it really seems like everybody has moved out here. That makes me feel better. And um, it and it started and it really started to be I started to be like keenly aware of it. It was like, wow, everyone really everyone's moved to Los Angeles. And and it was it wasn't like that for a long time. But then all of a sudden there was just this mass exodus. What I want. That is also what. What and, I heard, and, and I so, think it had to do with the economy. So, and so, for me, it really was a matter of, um, it was really a, a pragmatic decision of just, uh, you know, you know, it's a prospecting kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like I got to go where the where the work is. And what does your wife do? She's a nurse. So, so it was easy her for her. Ben, it, she's been great. She loves it. She really loves it, and we're 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 homebody type people. So actually, like for us, it's been pretty easy. Like we're not. It hasn't been a big culture shock in terms of oh my god. Before we were going out to big dinner parties every night. It's like we were we're kind of homebodies anyway. So, um, the lifestyle suits us pretty well. We're you know, but um, as I said, the the things the things that really I miss are I miss the weather and I miss. Just the daily interaction with people who aren't doing what you, you know, who 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 have lives that are really different than your own. Well, see, that's interesting for me. I find that I, there's so many things I miss about um, Brooklyn, specifically, just walking around and my whole life there. But I feel like I'm just in general, it's easier for me to be kind of healthier and happier and be more balanced out here because there, I felt like everyone I talked to. All we ever it was so competitive and mm-hmm. so anxious and so focused on work and all we ever t- all I, I did was like pace around my apartment comparing myself to other people and just feeling like I'm not where I should be. Whereas here I'm I don't constantly think about it in that same way. And was that an instant thing? Did that happen right away or did that happen gradually over time? Um, it 
happen. You know, well, it's sort of a it's kind of a chicken or egg thing because less than a month after I w- had moved out here, I auditioned for the Adam Carolla show and I got that job very quickly. And so that actually once I had a steady gig as opposed to freelancing there, I actually, you know, I had less to fret about really. Yeah. So um so I, and then like shortly after that I met the guy who's my fiance now, and so hey. I'm engaged. Um, so all, all sorts of like pretty quickly things changed, fell into place. Yeah, where I feel like I I was kind of holding still in New York, and I think, but I feel like that happens. Like I know of other people who move, and then all of a sudden things sort of happen. I think it's just when you're uh, taken out of your comfort zone, and all of a sudden you're meeting different people, yeah. and I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. But anyway, yes. Um. I want to tell you that I feel like you, there's a couple of things you were right about and I was wrong about Ooh. going way back. And Whoa. one one is we've already covered a little bit Brooklyn. Yeah. When I first met you, I was all about Manhattan. Mm. And so I've already told you that you and, – and you were saying Brooklyn's better. And mm-hmm. I've already said you were right about that mm-hmm. when we last saw, saw okay. each other. But then also very early on as well, we had a, di- a discussion about – um, banter being you said that banter is competitive. Do I did. you remember that? Yes. Cause you you were like can't people just this is I'm paraphrasing. You were like, can't people just be and have a conversation and be earnest? Whereas I was much more all about banter and you said, Well the thing is banter is competitive. Mm-hmm. And I'm now with you on that one. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my apologies. No, no. I need was to so young. You, you you were figuring it out. I, you were working right. it out. That's right. You were working it out. I was. See, I think that when I I think I didn't have my appropriate banter outlets. Mm-hmm. I was working for a magazine, so I had to banter where I could. Now I'm paid to banter. Yeah. So I can just you can chill. Yeah, that's right. I can just you know do Twitter and stuff. Anyway. The way we met, uh, I was working at Time Out New York. Well, I was always a fan, but I was working at Time Out New York. And for a little while, we had these, uh, this like thing with PS1, which is a, a museum there, where there were, they were what they were really was very early podcasts. I think um, they were radio interviews, but they were on the internet. Right. And um, the woman who set them up asked if I would want to interview you, and I said yes. It was me and Mike. It was you, just you the first time. Oh, really? And then it was you and Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was just right. you and then you and Mike and then maybe just you again. Okay. There was like a series of them. That's right. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's, so you're actually technically, the I think, maybe the first podcast guest ever right. if we call those podcasts. This was back in 2006, we, maybe. Right. We go way back. That's right. We really do. Yeah. And then, again, I interviewed you later and then you were on – we did like a, on my web show and then on my Ustream show and now here you are. And now you have a podcast and you're starting a new podcast. Yes. I'm getting into the podcasting industry. So the <laughs> look out. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. So the podcast that you – one of them is Topics. Topics with, with Michael, Michael Ian Black. Black. Correct. Yes. I like that. I was just listening to the episode where you took some letters from listeners mm-hmm. and you guys were talking about – um, a picture being worth a certain number of words or how many is a picture worth. And mm-hmm. then you said that actually a word is a picture of a word. Did I say that? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is so – it's true. A word is a picture mm-hmm. when you think about it. If you're it. looking at it. Then it went into some semiotics talk. Well, a word is only a picture if you're looking at it. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean what I'm saying are words, but they're not pictures. No, but on the on a page. But if I wrote it down, is, yes. if I wrote down the word word, that – 
would be a picture of the word work. You majored in semiotics at Brown, right? right? Yes. How often do you feel like you use that part of your brain? Um, quite often. Quite often. That's good. Mm-hmm. I feel like the part of of me not that... even, but not even consciously. It's um, it's it's uh, and I get criticized for it oftentimes because I, you know, semiotics has a lot to do with um. It, it, what? Why do things mean what they mean? What? What? It, what's the thing, and what does it mean? So it's signs and symbols. Mm-hmm. The language of signs and symbols in every discipline. In everything. In everything. So um, I find myself in in when in the work that I do in terms of specifically in writing. I oftentimes find myself um, uh, gravitating towards tropes. And conventions, mm-hmm. which are very semiotic, because the trope and the convention is a has been a is basically a little thing that over time has been condensed into one thing that means a lot of things. Now, does that for, make any sense? It, it makes perfect sense. So it's like a very good shortcut. It's like you 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 go see a movie and. You know, there's a scene where you'll meet a character and he will look a certain way or say certain things. And because we're so familiar with that character and all the rules that go along with that character, we know a million things about that character without any explanation needed. Now, you say in your work you're drawn towards tropes and conventions. Do you mean uh – you're talking about comedies specifically, I'm talking about anything, any any comedy but just just screenwriting in general. Mm Mm-hmm. In terms of writing stories and screenplays and TV stuff, I'm always – I always find myself starting with the tropes and the conventions and I find them quite satisfying. But I get – but I'm realized but – but, but it's like for me it means something – other people just see it as it's a cliche, mm-hmm. which is true. But for me there's something really – I don't know how to explain it. It's like warm and fuzzy about it. And so about I, slipping into something so saturated with meaning. Yeah, or yeah, and there's something funny too about it. It's 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 like yeah, it's like it's when I see a movie like an old '80s movie like The Karate Kid or something, or pick any good movie from the '80s, and they're just filled with tropes mm-hmm. that we now make fun of. But to me, they're like warm and fuzzy. Well, something about that I think is so hilarious about the stuff you do, and I'm thinking specifically of Stella right now, is that – and it's it's hard for me to articulate exactly what the aesthetic or the the humor style is. I don't know if you have – if you have, have attempted to articulate it, but it's like playing with so many – there's so many things where you're like, I know that that is a sort of a send-up or a lampoon of something, but I don't even know exactly what, and yet it's still hilarious. Yeah. But it's not. It's not uh, what I would say is for what, for me anyway. It's not sending up. It's homage. It's always homage. It's like, or it's a nod to a nod. It's like we just have you know we all spent you know me and those guys we all spent you know our childhoods watching TV and renting movies and stuff and so it's like the they're just ingrained into us and there's just something funny about referencing them and 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 embracing them in some way and maybe twisting it a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I've had some other members of the state on my show. I had Kevin Allison. I had um, Carrie Kenny Silver. I had David Wayne very recently. And something that's come up from the various people um, who I've had on has been the insecurity they felt at times in the state. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what was your experience of being in the state like? Um, wow. Um, specifically to the insecurity part? Yeah. But then in general as well, if you want to answer that. Um, I mean, it was very competitive. It was very, um, you know, there was a, I don't know if either of any of those guys talked about this pitch meeting we would have in the afternoon. Did any of them talk about that? Yes. in I think so in terms of there were certain people who kind of always had stuff and then then feel like I think Kevin Allison maybe felt like it was hard. Like he didn't he wasn't one. Of, I get the sense that Tom Lennon always had something. Well, <laughs> there were quite a few of us that always had something. Um, and I feel like Kevin did, too. But but Kevin specifically would was definitely someone who would would kind of um, he was not a, a guy just generating mass amounts of stuff. He was someone that would spend some time really perfecting something and mm-hmm. and and um, shaping it over time. But we had every day we would have so we would get to work and then we would write in the morning and and um, and at some point have lunch and then we would write some more and then in the afternoon at some point I feel like it was at three o'clock or something we would pitch. And it was literally like we'd all go into a room together and kind of just be like volunteering like, OK, I'll pitch the sketch I wrote and now I'll pitch the sketch I wrote. And the sketches, the life of the sketch was kind of decided in that moment. If it went well, then chances are it would get shot. In, if If you pitched it and it did well and people liked it, I mean there were enough of us that you had a, an audience there every time. So you you would pitch it. Maybe you would cast it. You'd be like, can I have you play this role and da, da, da. And um, that was a very nerve-wracking moment because you kind of knew that it was a make-it-or-break-it moment for the sketch that you had written. And I think – I know I personally sort of felt like that was a very nerve-wracking experience because you wanted something to go well. And sometimes literally it would be like timing issue where y- – it wasn't it, – you could have written the best sketch ever but if you pitched it at the wrong time, it wouldn't get laughs and then it's dead. So I think on that level for me, there was something arbitrary about that that that, that, that was upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean I think you know we, we, were, we were not warm and fuzzy to each other. It was a very, very dog-eat-dog kind of environment. Interestingly, I think Carrie spoke the least about the insecurity now that I think about it. I mean, Carrie had um well, maybe she wasn't insecure. I'm wondering as the only female in the group if that if if that gave her a a certain if she felt there was less competition gave her a certain cachet or something. I I would think that that would be true because there was less competition. Yeah. For her. Um, I think that she was – she occupied a very unique you know, space and a very elemental space that probably gave her a certain level of, of um, 
but I don't know. You know what? Honestly, like mm-hmm. I don't know. You'd have I don't know what what I'd be interested to know what she would say about that. Um, it, it also sounds like is it true that there were certain personalities that were just more alpha or more dominant? Yeah. Um, but you know, my my sort of feeling about it was everybody pretty much fought for their, you know. Every everyone, everyone was was fighting for themselves. So it was you know. There's no question that you know different people. You know Ben Grant is a prolific writer, um, and he would you know in a day come in with five really good sketches. You know, I mean, and he just could he could just he was he is a really prolific comedy writer. He just churns out great material. So that's something that not everybody could do. Um, but I don't feel like any – it felt like everybody supported everybody else's right to be there. So it wasn't um, – it, it wasn't – I don't – it didn't feel like um, there were – it didn't – it wasn't an alpha thing. It was more just like a lot of people fighting for their moment. Mm-hmm. And – you and Michael Ian Black and David – well, you and a lot of the, of the members of the state have continued to work together. But it seems especially that you and Michael Ian Black um, and at times David Wayne have, have continued a relationship. Did that affinity for each other, for lack of a better word, start back then? Um, I guess so. I actually recently read something Michael Black had said about this and I suppose it's true is that he, he was saying a lot of it was just also proximity, which is that – I mean Mike, Michael Black and I were definitely friends. Um, he was one of my first friends when I met him at NYU many, many years ago. So there was a friendship there. Same with David. We were friends. Um, but we were all friends. Um, but post the state, I think a lot of it was that the Reno folks and Ken Marino as well had moved to LA. And so we were, we were the three people that were still in New York. Um, so it had something to do with that too of just – it was just a function of we were all still in New York. David Waynes also said that part of what bonded you guys when you were working on Stella was that you all could type fast. There was that. <laughs> that was something that bonded us together. Yeah, he said it totally seriously and I can tell from your reaction that it, it is true. That you I, would – he said that you guys would – would you use Google Wave or IM or – like a lot of stuff was happening on the computer fast. I would say that that was something about us that we appreciated in the other. It, it was something that it, there was. It's something uh, copacetic there. We were all three quite uh, good typists, and still are. Congratulations! How are you on the? How are you on the keys? I'm fast, but I'm not that precise. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, going back. Yes, although when I used to. Uh, work as a journalist and I would transcribe interviews, I often would just leave the mistakes in because I knew what it meant. If mm-hmm. someone else were to read it, I'm sure they'd be like, what the hell is this? But if it's something – like I don't like I am. I find I like texting. Mm. I love texting. Mm. Don't like I am though. I find it very stressful. Hmm. Do you like it? Mm-hmm. What? Mm. OK. Thought experiment. But I'm always invisible. So you'll never know I'm there. Yeah, that's how I am too. Um, but I would much rather – if you and I say we're working on something, I would much rather that you and I, I am or G-chat than talk on the phone. Why? Because I find 
talking can be exhausting sometimes. And oh, I yeah. find that I th- usually am able to express myself more concisely if I'm writing. Here's my problem with uh, instant message. Let's say I'm sitting at my computer doing I don't know what, and then a thing pops up. Well, I understand you're saying you're – I'm invisible too, but in this example, a thing pops up and the person's like, hey, or whatever they say. I pretty much can't focus on anything else until I respond, hey. Right. Like it, I find it so distracting I'm to invisible. Me. Yeah. I'm invisible. But still, let's say you start the conversation and then they ask you a question. If I've started the conversation, it means I want to talk to them. Okay. Let's talk about cats. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Cats. So state, um, we're done. We did that. Well, do you have, do you want, no, do you have more? Okay. Not at all. I'm just I'm just amazed at how quickly we moved through eight years of my life. Well, we just have a lot to get to. Okay, let's so do So many it. years boom, of your boom, life. Boom. We're skipping. <laughs> we're going skipping past state and going right to cats. Let's well, do except it. you know what though, for one one. <clears throat> geez, excuse me. Quickly, we should hit on this because listeners of my show who also listen to the Adam Carolla show very well know James Babydoll Dixon because that's Adam's agent. Ah, and yes. He was the state agent. Yes, he right? was. Yes, he was. How? Yes. What, what was he like? Oh, we loved him. We loved James. We loved James. All right. Um, now we're done with the state. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> no, James was wonderful. Is wonderful. Yeah. And we made fun of him and everything because he's very agenty. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah, but um, you know he he I have only super positive memories of of him in those t- those days. I gotta say that those baby doll sketches are hilarious as standalone pieces, and I saw them before I knew James. But once you know James, they're ten times funnier. Yeah, those are those sketches are epically funny if yeah. you've ever met that man, which I know most people won't. But well done. We we did. I can't remember what we were talking about, but we were. You know, and, and it would be like, you know, he represented all of us. So every time we had a meeting with James Dixon, it was us. It was 11 people and James Dixon. <laughs> um, and we would always be in the conference room and we would be talking about some project or another. And we were talking about something and, and I was asking questions, you know, wanting to know, wanting to get specification on one thing or another. And he said, hey, hey, this is show business, not show Walter, OK? <laughs> Perfect. Boom. Just like that. Do you have a favorite sketch that you wrote or worked in or like a favorite thing from the state? Um, mm, not really. That's a that's a really boring podcast answer, isn't it? Not really. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, it's OK, though. It's honest. You know, the truth is. As and I think a lot of folks in the group would tell you this if you asked them the same question. As the show kept going, sort of in the later seasons at MTV, the seasons were seven episodes long, so we did four seasons, and each one was seven episodes long. Um, in the third and fourth season, sort of like the sketches started getting more and more experimental and less kind of you know typical sketches, and they were more being more and more just about what made us laugh. To And so I have fondness for just kind of where we were headed. It's just the whole direction the show started moving in in the last couple of seasons, that whole that whole thing was, was really good. It was just silly and entirely about what we thought was funny. And um, so there's many, many sketches in those last two seasons that I really like. Mm-hmm. A particular one? You um, could name that, so then I could be like, oh yeah, I saw that one. 
Did you have you ever seen Cutlery Barn? I don't know. <laughs> Google Google Cutlery Barn. Okay, I'll look that one up. Okay. Um, I know I said I want to talk about cats, which I do, but mm-hmm. y- but first, you said that you have another podcast you're starting. Cat Talk. Is that really the podcast? Yes. Oh, how perfect this is. Perfect. Okay, so we can just talk about all of it at once because you also have a book currently out about- Guys, guys can be cat ladies too. Yeah. Tell us about all of this. So I, I had a cat for many years after college, Lester, mm-hmm. and- um, he and I, you know, went – we had – you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, my whole 20s and into my 30s was with this cat, you know. And that's a very close relationship that people have with their pets. Very close because pets – there's an unconditional love there that's very different than with people. Pets don't have the same kind of bad personalities that people do. <laughs> it's so true. They don't have – they're not – they're not people. People have self. They're self-centered. People can be anything that anything that is a function of self-centeredness and ego is what makes people really unbearable. Yeah. Um, and we all have it. We all have it. We all have aspects of that. Animals don't have that. They don't have ego. They don't have it. They're just great. Yeah. And even when they're awful, which is sometimes too. Like I have a cat, Tim. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, I'm not – I'm just being honest. I appreciate that. He's a dick. What kind of dick? He's just surly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just – Unfriendly. Unfriendly and, and knocks things over and, you know, is weird. He's weird. He, he acts weird. But it's very pure. And then I have my cats, Billy and Louise, are just goodness to the core of their being. And you see it. Obviously, you have a dog. You see it with you know. I see, I love dogs too. This is a thing. People always want to make it a dog versus cat thing. So, but there's no competition there. They're both great. Cats, dogs, frogs, rabbits, snakes, birds, anything. All animals are good. It is not a competition. So, um, I had this cat last year. He passed away. That was really sad. Uh. And then um, a couple years later, I got these two cats, uh, Tim and Louise, brother and sister. You and went for two years without a three, cat? Three years. Three. And was, it, why? I just wasn't ready. It was so sad. I was like so broken up about mm-hmm. it. And then um, and he he was sick. Tim was sick for – I mean Lester was sick for a couple of years and it was like I had to like feed him intravenously mm-hmm. and it was like a long prorated thing. Um and uh, anyway, so then – and my my girlfriend, now wife, she had a cat. So when we moved in together, we had three cats. And then um, I was – had our cat, Louise, at the vet and they conned me into adopting a kitten. So then we had four cats. And then we moved – Did they see you as an easy mark, do you think? Oh, yeah. The, oh, oh, yeah. Without a doubt. They knew. <laughs> they knew that – all they had to do was wave the kitten in my face and I was going to walk out of there with it. Was it in one 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 swoop, one wave of the kitten and you went home with it? They said – they waved the kitten in front of my face, dangled it in front of me <laughs> and basically said it's so sad. All the other kittens in this litter got adopted but this one. Oh, yeah. So you had to take it home. What was I going to do? So four cats. I said put that- the kitten in the box. 
Don't make me sign any paperwork. Don't make me answer any questions. Just put the kitten in a box and I'll take it. If you make me answer any questions or sign any paperwork, I'm not taking the kitten. This is reminding me of something that you wrote on your website a long time ago about how hard it is to adopt because I tried pet. Because I tried I, yes. to adopt some cats a couple years before that and was rejected. Did they say why? Did they do the home search or the home they, they invasion? Didn't say, they didn't say why. <laughs> yeah, it's for anyone who doesn't know who's, who. Yeah, it's it. I think it might be harder than trying to adopt a baby. Exactly. It's crazy. It it's crazy. It's crazy. And then I get they say that what they're trying to, I guess, prevent against is you um, selling the animal into medical research or reselling it. Or, well, I don't know what they're well, trying I th- to guard against. I mean, against. I think it's good. It's like I'm happy, you know. So where this is going is is that I then moved into a neighborhood in Brooklyn that, unfortunately, there's a real problem with with stray cats because mm-hmm. the People that own these cats put them out on the street. It's not a good situation. At which point I then began getting involved in um, stray cat stuff. So I now have a colony of cats that live in my backyard in Brooklyn. Okay, so – How many are in a colony? Well, it can be as big as it wants to be. Okay. Um. So I have another four cats that live in my backyard in Brooklyn that I've built shelters for, that I've like – that I feed every day, that I got neutered and, and you know fixed by a vet. There have been multiple other cats in my neighborhood that I've rescued and then found adoptive homes for, like 15 cats that I got adopted out. And, um, and then I was – it was like I was done. It was – it was – I was – Had you given too much? No. I mean like it was – I was – a cat person. Oh, I see. I'm saying I'm saying the damage had been done. I was a cat person. Mm-hmm. I got certified by the ASPCA to um, – so like if you have a cat, uh, if you have a stray cat in your backyard and you're like, Mike, come and trap it. I am certified to trap that cat. <laughs> How did you get certified? I'd take a class. In cat trapping? In cat trapping. How- I legitimately thought you were certified as a cat person. <laughs> Oh, no, you can't. I was so confused for a second. I don't think you can get that certification. I didn't think so either, but I was willing to But I am a certified cat trapper. All right. So let's say I call you, cat in my backyard. Yep. What do you do? I I need a cage. I need a a specific kind of cage. You have these on hand? I don't have them on hand. Oh. Um, But I I know how to get them. I should probably get a few. But I had some some in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And they're basically humane traps. And because these cats might have diseases or or could be feral and attack you in certain ways, not it's not like just anybody should do it because there are certain things you need to understand how to do. So I am I am educated on how to trap a feral cat if you have one and need it trapped. It's so handy. Mm-hmm. If someone sees a, a feral cat in their yard, should they call someone like you or should they just let it go? Because I mean – I uh, the other place I lived in Hollywood had a backyard, and I would see cats back there sometimes, and I just think, oh, how cute! And then that was it. You wanna you want feral you want feral cats or stray cats, and they're different. Stray cats and feral cats are different. A feral, oh, okay. feral cat is a cat that that was raised in the wild. A stray cat is a cat that was maybe once a domestic cat that was then put out or has escaped. Um, and you want them to be fixed. That is very important. That that is the basic that is the basic message of when you see a stray cat 
you want to trap it and get it fixed, even if you're not going to find an adoptive home for it. So the whole idea of the the this and this is a, a pretty big thing in like in you know amongst like uh, cat people, cat people and dog people too is rather than uh, because they 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 um, they breed, mm-hmm. so you want to get it fixed so that they don't continue breeding. And with cats in particular, when they fight, when they are hissing at each other, all these different things, it's because they're not fixed. When you get a cat fixed, it actually is making it more it's, – it's, it's making it less likely to act wild and do crazy shit and you're actually doing the cat a favor and you're doing your neighbors a favor and you're doing yourself a favor – um, I, I get them fixed. Totally realize that and get that and accept that. However, did at any point did what, did you ever have perhaps in your younger days a pang of? Are we sure we're doing the animal a favor? Because my thing has always been, well, it's easy for us to say that they want their balls removed, and I did get my dog neutered, but I felt guilty. I mean, in my opinion, like w- without a doubt. The larger question is euthanizing. The larger debate is with the with the stray cat population of which that is so big is 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 the a, a debate around euthanizing these animals versus just letting them run wild. And what's the what's the argument for euthanizing? That it that it that we need to keep their population down. It's not. It's all because they're they're not healthy. Do they not have. Is the do they not have natural predators right now? Well, it depends where. Not yeah. in not in New York City. They right. don't. But in New York City, they're 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 cold. They're they're getting infections and diseases, and so where, they're not eating. Where do you fall on that debate? Um, it's a really hard debate. It's a really loaded debate. What I know for sure is, if people have a stray animal, that they. That they are not helping it to the, – the, if they want to help that cat and they want to help their neighborhood, it's not even just that cat. It's helping the, 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 the entire neighborhood is to get that cat fixed because you don't – what you don't want is breed, is for these stray mm-hmm. cats to be endlessly breeding. It's not good for – it's just not good. They're not living – they're not living prosperous lives that way. Yeah. Now your your book got men can be <clears throat> cat people too. Guys, guys can be cat ladies too. Yes. Sorry. What a horrible butchering of the title I just did. Explain. What this did book. you say? I said men can be cat people too. <laughs> That's like a companion book. Um, it's what it sounds like. It's basically a funny, fun, um, picture filled book. That is sort of loosely based on a kind of a handbook you might receive. Um, There's a popular book. There's a sort of a popular book right now um, for like men who being dads. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like how to be a how to be a dad to a baby in terms that a guy can understand. And it's sort of taking that approach to it. It's a very masculine book about like what it's like if you have a cat because cats I think have a kind of a feminine yeah. mystique to them yes 
So it's really just um, a fun kind of funny humor book for people of all ages to enjoy. And do you have – are you going to be doing another book? Because this is now your second It's my second book. book. I will be doing another book eventually. Um, and – but uh, that is in the works but not imminent. OK. Yeah. How did you meet your wife? Uh, friends of friends. And uh, we went on a date. We went to – I say we went to Thai food. She says Pan-Asian. <laughs> She's adamant that I took her to a Pan-Asian restaurant. I don't think I would ever do that. Oh, you're actually – not on the same page about specifically which restaurant it was as opposed to what kind of cuisine, cuisine She's the restaurant saying that had. it was – the cuisine was Pan-Asian and I'm saying the cuisine was Thai food. OK. You know in Brooklyn they have Pan-Asian restaurants. Oh, yeah. No, yes. I know. I don't even know what that means. I think it means it has sushi and Chinese food. Right. Well, this didn't have either of those. It was Thai. Just Thai. Yeah. But do you remember the name of it and does she remember the name of it? No. no. OK. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we met. And in the city and we dated and um, the rest, as they say, is history. And, and I usually ask people this question. So if it's getting too personal, Uh-oh. just suck it up um, or say something. But uh, well, so I usually ask people sort of like what was their dating history like before they met the person that they ended up with? And uh-huh. what was it about that person that made them realize they were the one? Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, I I certainly had many. uh I was active on the dating scene. I had a lot of girlfriends and stuff. I think that um, for me, it had something to do with somebody that I could spend. I realized with her that we could spend enormous amounts of time together. Um, we could coexist. It was it was we 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 it was someone who I felt like I could coexist with and not feel um, and this is not anything against anyone else but this was something unique to her was I felt um, we didn't have to always talk we didn't have to always interact it was easy it was easy to just be with her for long periods of time you know for. Days at a time where we would just be hanging out and I would never feel that tension of like, oh, God, you know, can we spend some time apart now? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But it was but it wasn't it wasn't like we were having long, deep conversations either. It wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't this thing of like, you know, we were just it wasn't that fantasy of, you know, we're talking, talking, talking. It wasn't that. It was some of that. But it was also more just it was comfortable. It was we we were we we were we coexisted very nicely. I I mean I look back on some relation. I remember I remember in my much younger days having this being or perplexed by how can I be in a relationship but also get the stuff done that I'm trying to get done in my life and career and it because when I was in a relationship it just became all consuming. And I just I couldn't understand how the two could could coexist. But now it I think when you meet that the right person, it does kind of fall into place and it makes sense. Yes, because you don't neither takes you away from the other. Well, I mean, to a, a small degree, of course, it always does, but not in the way that it did before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I remember, uh, I, I, you know, I can think of instances where it would be that thing of, oh, we, you know, oh, me and this person, and we we stayed up until four o'clock in the morning talking, 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 but then you didn't get any sleep. Right. Yeah. Oh, the tired early days of bad relationships. Um, whereas this was like, you get some sleep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we should do some just me. Are we everyone. done already? No, we're not. <laughs> hardly. We're hardly done. We're just moving this on. This has been great. Well, don't say anything salutary or valedictory. I'm unclear what the difference between those two words is just yet because we have more. But first, I want to tell the listeners and you, although you probably already know because you're in the know about Hulu Plus. You're familiar with Hulu. Well, Hulu Plus has even more shows. You can watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere. Thousands of hit TV shows and a selection of acclaimed movies on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or your tablet. I've said before, I hate being at the car wash and I hate waiting forever for my car to come around and not knowing what to do with myself and feeling bored. And now, now that I have Hulu Plus, I never have to be bored again. I can catch up on my favorite shows. Um, and you can also check out exclusive content, including Hulu originals like The Awesomes starring SNL's Seth Meyers and Moon Boy starring Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids. He's pretty cute. For just $7.99 a month, you can stream as many TV shows and movies as you want wherever you want. And right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. That's A-L-I-S-O-N. And that is a special offer for my listeners. And I've said that I feel like we should all be binge watching together. And I've asked you guys for suggestions of what we should watch uh, a lot of people have suggested Scandal. A lot of people have suggested Once Upon a Time. I am currently watching Once Upon a Time, and I decided to just jump into the current season right now. And my question for you guys who are also binge-watching it with me on Hulu Plus, what the fuck is going on? I need someone to explain what's going on because I decided to just jump ahead to this current season because I heard it was so good. And now I am, I'm lost. Help me out, you guys. What, what, are you, what show? Once Upon a Time. Oh. Do you watch it? Mm-mm. You could on Hulu Plus. It's I know. seven ninety nine. I know. I can't wait to so, Again, go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison, now A-L-I-S-O-N, or just go to AllisonRosen.com and click on the Hulu Plus banner. Okay. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Okay. There's a song. Here it comes. I'm very excited. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Chris King says, I always play vicious air drums at the end of your opening song right before you greet us. Well, I just bop around in my seat. But Michael Showalter also rocked out. I don't know if you did air drums, but in spirit you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was air drumming on the inside. <laughs> I do air drums more times than not. Thank you. So it's everyone then. Pretty much. Frank Pietro says, I'm enraged. Enraged when someone gets on an elevator and presses the button for a floor that's already pressed, even though it's clearly lit. I don't share your enragement. I'm the person who, at a crosswalk, presses the button like eight to 12 times. Do you have you ever had the very funny comedian Colin Quinn on your show? I have not. He has he had this joke many years ago that I remembered because it was so true and it went. Basically, the joke was you get on an elevator, you're going to the 10th floor and someone presses the third floor. And the thought that goes on in your mind is, do you not see that I'm going to the 10th floor? 
<laughs> Every time I'm on an elevator and someone gets on after me and wants to go to a floor that's below the floor I'm going yeah. to, I get this feeling of like, excuse me, do you not see where I'm going? <laughs> so true. But does it bother you if someone presses a button that's already Not at lit? all. Not yeah. in the least. Gary? No, not really. I mean, I sometimes think I, it would suck to be you, but it doesn't bug me. <laughs> so no. you just pity them. No, you know yeah. why it doesn't bother me? Because I do that. Yeah. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who does that. But I think there's a there's some leeway because there's different kinds of buttons. The ones where the whole button lights up mm. from behind, that's easier to see than the ones where a little red line will like light yeah. up around the side right. of the button. Yeah. I've Sometime, made that mistake before. Exactly. Sometimes you think it's lit and it's not. So why not double check? Yeah. Are you the person that kind of crosses through people to press your button or are you the one who says, could you hit number four, please? Depends how crowded the elevator is. If there's space for me to do it without potentially bumping into anybody, I will, but I am very self-conscious about I'll that. I'll also try to gauge if I think the person standing nearest to the buttons would be receptive to me asking them to push the buttons. That's true as well. If I if I find the person standing near the buttons intimidating, I'll find a way to hit it myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Javier Juarez Jr. says – it's a lot. There's a lot going on in that name. It's alliterative. Uh just me or everyone, hate people that aren't chained to their cell phones. Well, see, there you go. This guy would love you. I think what he's saying is he hates when it takes a little while for people to get back to him. Um, yeah, I uh, – well, I'm uh, I'm hypocritical because I hate when it – I don't appreciate – Well, no, you know what? I'm okay if it takes a while for them to get back to me. So I'm not hypocritical. I just – I just – I'm not like you. Sorry, Javier. I just think hate is such a strong word here. It does pop up frequently in this peeve, segment. Peeve, might maybe is a peeve of mine. He's miffed. Um, my parents love them. Love my parents. Seem to think that their cell phone English and Elaine. Yes, is like a flashlight. In other <laughs> words, you would never leave a flashlight on unless you're using it. Right. Right. You would never <laughs> turn a flashlight on. Stop using it and then leave it on. You'd immediately turn the flashlight off. Yeah. With a cell phone, you can leave it on. That's kind of the point. You can leave it on. So my parents will use it and then immediately power it down. So they'll they'll call me and say, call me back. I could call them back within two minutes, but the, they will have already powered down their phone. And when do they turn it back on? Dunno. My, fa- <laughs> my father is apparently – convinced that batteries last about nine minutes because his move is he will he will always leave it on but he'll call me and say call me back and two minutes later i'll call him and it will have been put in his office on the charger which is further away from anywhere he sits and he can't hear it ring right so the phone is always on the charger in a phone in a place where he can't hear it ring i think that people of the generation wouldn't be the one above us it's numerous generations above ours don't understand it's the greatest generation that the batteries last for hours they don't get that they 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 really can't wrap their head around the fact that you can just leave it on for a long time mm-hmm. and that and that that's the point right yeah i never thought about that but yeah my dad is one of those who always has his phone off of course no one calls him on his phone but it's because they off. know it's always off right i mean that's the thing i i would call my parents much more on their phones if i thought they they were on but they're never on it's always off do you, are you one of those people who has like a – do you talk to your parents weekly? Do you have a day? Not a day, but I definitely talk to them every week, yeah. More than every week? Sometimes. Or, mm-hmm. All right. BKMJK says – Gary, could you try to pronounce that? 
because you know we like to make you pronounce things with no vowels. Thank you. Driving with something tied down on the roof, I'm constantly checking mirrors, shadows, etc. to be sure it's still up there. Just mirror everyone. I've never driven with anything tied to the roof, but I would be doing that. No. Mm-mm. No, because I know that if it falls off, I'll know. Smart. So if, so so I'm 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 more just waiting for something big to appear in my rearview mirror. Garrett? Yeah, no, not so much. But my favorite Seinfeld joke of all time is the guy with his hand on the mattress. <laughs> that's that's a great joke. What's the joke? Just well, it's I'm not going to do it justice, but basically his point is is that people are driving down the highway at 75 miles an hour and they have the mattress chained to the top of their car with a rope or whatever. But that guy's got his hand up there just in case because if you know if the wind catches it, he's going to he hold can it hold down. it down. Yeah, yeah. he can there. he can he can grab onto it and yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have a car in Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So adjusting to driving is not an adjustment Mm-mm. for you. No, we were driving. We we were driving. Megan says, I realized among my group of friends that I'm the only one that does not pee in the shower. How common is shower pee? Oh, it's quite common. This is the age-old question. Mm -hmm. So, But what is she saying? Is it me or is it everyone what? Who doesn't pee in the shower? Mm. Good question. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is what she's saying. It's you. Everyone pees in the shower. To me, it's case by case. Meaning shower by shower, shower by shower. I mean, I don't try, but I will if I need to. Yeah. Okay. In a pri- in my own personal shower, never in a communal shower. No. No. What about no. hotel? But I'm not often in Hotels. a communal. I don't find myself often in a Nor communal shower. But yeah. But no hotel. You mean is... like a group? Shower? <laughs> no, I mean like I mean like a shower at like like at the gym or something. Uh-huh, like right. Other people sure, are going sure, to use, but sure. but the hotel yeah. is a different story. Yeah. Somehow the hotel that that hotel room is mine while I'm there. Yeah. Ryan Bethel says. I would even say when I'm in a hotel, it's almost a guarantee I'll pee in that shower. Yeah. While showering or just. No, I get in the shower, pee, mm-hmm. and then I turn on the water. <laughs> I threw up in a bathtub in London once, but it's. I was. It's not a great story. I um, and here here it is though. I threw up a classic English breakfast. Why is he laughing so much? <laughs> I don't know. Because she announced it wasn't a great story and then started going into it. I just I love that. I'm honest. Uniquely, Allison. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So um, I got some kind of tourist disease or traveler's stomach flu, and um, and I was. It was. Everything in Europe is so small. I wasn't. I was not yet aware of how like small hotel rooms and everything are. So I was sitting on the toilet, and then I didn't have time to get off the toilet to throw up into the toilet. So I just leaned over and threw up yeah. in the bathtub. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, I mean everybody's had like I not every. I would think there's nothing worse than when you need to do both at once. Yeah, that's a that's a low moment for being a human. really low. It's it's actually. When you need to do both at once from sickness, I find that to be a much – or found that to be a much more unpleasant feeling than throwing up from being drunk. They're both bad. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. You're just like – But just when like, you're sober. You're just like, oh, God. Fuck it. Here mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Yeah. Or like when you're so sick that you keep throwing up and you think, I don't even know what, whether it's worth it to get back into bed because right. I just didn't have to get it's back just gonna up. just going to continue. Ugh. Ryan Bethel says, when someone has a lesser email account like Hotmail or AOL, I judge them. Gmail is free and superior. Uh, okay. Interesting thing. I used to get so much judgment that I switched to Gmail 
you know, many, many years ago because my computery friends were mocking me for AOL. But a ton of people in comedy still have their AOL account. Have you noticed this? Uh, no. Okay. I find the Mac email address more prevalent in comedy. A surprising number of comics are at Mac.com. A surprising number of them are still at AOL, though. That's true. There's, there's a significant number that are at AOL also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I judge people. Gmail's better. Do you judge them? No. Robert Paulson says, at Starbucks, I always say I ask for room for cream out loud when pouring my coffee in the trash, even if I forget to. Robert Paulson, I thought of you yesterday because I poured a little coffee in the trash, but I didn't announce I asked for room for cream. So what's – I don't understand. What's the thing? Is, I'm uh, not sure. Is he shaming – is yeah. he trying to like say it loud enough for them to hear or is yes. he trying to defend himself against people who may be judging him for pouring coffee in I the trash? I think he's trying to say to them, hey, I asked for a room but you put it all the way to the top and so now I have to throw out some of the coffee. That must be a unique Starbucks because usually the trash cans are too far away for them to be able to hear. It's Starbucks. Or whatever kind of coffee place. The trash can must be very close. I don't know about the acoustics of what I don't know whether yeah. it works for him or not. He, it's, I think the question is more: Do you also get upset when you ask for room for cream, but instead the coffee's yes. all the way at the top? You know what's a fascinating experience? Has this ever happened to you guys? It's happened to me twice, where there will be someone ordering at Starbucks in front of you who very clearly has never been to a Starbucks before. <laughs> it's insanity. It's, yes. Have you? Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Yes. It's strange. That's a really genuinely weird moment. And you kind of want to help them out. Yeah. They're like, what? They're like, and the person's like, okay, so here's how we do it. We have <laughs> three sizes. And they're explaining those weird names and they're like, da-da-da-da, and that's a small, and da-da-da, and that's a medium, and da-da-da-da. And the other person's like, God, I don't just – I want coffee. Like I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like just give me coffee. And they're like, okay, yeah, but we, we have three different kinds of coffee and da-da-da-da-da. And they're just like, ah. And you can tell they don't understand – Starbucks, they just thought, oh, this is a place I can go and order a cup of coffee. Yeah. Have you ever been behind someone, this happened to me once, who had never had coffee before? Wow. Yes. It was an Asian woman who had never had coffee before. And so they were kind of like, well, what kind of things do you like? Do you like sweet or do you like this? Do you mm-hmm. want caffeine? Or mm-hmm. a, that. I felt like I was watching someone lose their virginity. The time that it happened to me recently, it was an Asian man. Do you think that they don't drink coffee or Starbucks coffee in Asia or something? Um, I think it's more of a tea-based culture. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I bet you're right. I think you're right. Jill Starrett says, thank you, emailing from my phone, I delete the sent from my iPhone auto signature so I don't look like one of those people. I don't. I am one of those people, I guess. I changed mine just slightly. So what is it? Oh, yeah. I know what yours says. I don't yeah. know why, but I feel just like. Put your own stamp on it. I take it off my iPad. Because I think that one looks snobby. But I think the iPhone email is understood. I feel like it's a, it's a way of saying this, is going, this isn't going to be grammatically correct. Yeah. A lot of comedians have really funny ones. Really funny signatures that they've changed it. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts? Um, I would like to change mine. I think it's kind of, I don't – it goes back to my thing of not wanting to be attached to my phone. Mm-hmm. There's something about it that I find it's not classy. I don't want people to know that I'm reading email off my phone. Not classy. It's like, ew. Like, I want to think them to think that I'm responding to their email on my computer. Interesting. Yeah. But I think I still have it on there. So I need to do it. I need to change it. I'm just going to erase it entirely. Like, so just... like the quality of the message they receive will be somehow 
it won't be as special to them if they know that it came from your phone? There's something like too much information about it. I don't want them to know where you are that it was on. My, I just want. Yeah, it's too much information. All right. Brent Hudson says, just mirror everyone. Foil wrapped chocolates are messy and hard to peel. I always end up eating some of the foil along with the chocolate. Only sometimes. I'm going to give that one an only sometimes. I don't find that problem, but I was recently thinking I wish it was easier to find Hershey Kisses that were unwrapped. Is Mm -hmm. it even possible to find them? I was going to say – I was going to say I wish it was possible to find them, but I feel like if you buy a giant bag of them, you may be able to get them unwrapped. I don't know. I don't think so. I'd like like to be able to get them that way. You can get the mini kind for making cookies. Right, right, right. But I've never seen big the big ones. But you could be right. You could be right about that. Oh, someone will tweet us, but right. I would like that. I would like a little bit less unrolling of the foil and a Hershey kiss. All right. Um, you know what? They should come in blister packs or something. Yeah. I mean, it'd be squishy, but it'd be more fun. Yeah. All right. That's the end of Just Me or Everyone. Michael Showalter, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. That's it? That's pretty much it. Well, we're trying to you, – you have somewhere you have to be. Well, you're going to have to have me back. I would love to have you back. You're going to have to have me back. Well, now that we're neighbors. I know. Now that we're back in the same city, I can instead of instead of me trudging to you, I could surf. I could surf over <laughs> to you. I could just grab my board. <laughs> do you do the ocean things? Catch a wave. I want to. I don't, but I want to. Please. I've done some hiking. I've done some of your hiking. I hiking is just walking with different shoes where it's wildernessy, right? Yeah. Did you hiking enjoy it? isn't hiking isn't actually hiking. It's just walking. Did you hike Runyon? Uh Fryman. I don't see I, I don't I'm not even down with the hip places. Fryman. To hike. Well it's just near where we live. Um Are you gonna have kids? Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Is there anything we missed? Nope. Nothing at all? I don't think so. Uh well, David Wayne and I made another movie that's come, gonna be coming out soon, I hope. It's called They Came Together. And it's a romantic comedy. Filled with tropes. Okay, for, so for the person, and it stars Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler as the lovers. I can't wait to see this. It's good. It's funny. It's gonna be. Uh, we're finishing it now, and um, it's 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 a big silly romantic comedy. You know, filled with funny. Romantic comedy goofiness. Oh, I wanted to tell you. You said something which has actually been very um, – And they, heard... they came together as a double entendre. No, I get it. OK. And I got it. OK. Twice. Um, you said – I heard you say something on a podcast which has been very meaningful to me, which is you were talking about um, – I, I don't know if you're talking about negative reaction on Twitter or comments or whatever, but you were saying, well, this and – I can't remember whether this was – I don't know if it was your book or if it was Wet Hot or – I don't know exactly. But but like the art you're making, well, this isn't for them then. This is for the people who like it. Mm. Do you remember hmm. it all? Do you know it all? Is this ringing any bell? I wish I had more details so that Maybe. this wasn't such a vague thing to say. Maybe. But it what, was just what, that, what do you What did you take away from that? That – yeah, what – what I'm doing is for the people for whom this means something yeah. as opposed to the ones who have something shitty to say about it. Right. Well, you are not – you know, you're not appreciating this. So this isn't for you. This is for the people who like it and it's not for everyone but it's right. for those who like it. Yeah. Well, it's the uh, would you rather be 
one person's favorite thing or nine people's 10th favorite thing or something like that. I'm getting it wrong. I haven't heard that before, but it basically I, goes oh, something I want to like be nine would, people's favorite would, thing. Yeah, me too. No, no. It's would you rather be one person's favorite thing or nine people's like 10th favorite thing? Those are the only options? I think I'm getting it wrong. No, I think that sounds about right. It's something like that, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting it. It's 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 a better – it's a more clear – it's like that but a more clear version. And for the person who wishes they had this information 45 minutes ago, quick definition of trope? I don't know. All right. I have no idea. I really don't know. Yeah. It's like a thing or I don't know. It's a thing. It's a convention. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> oh, Gary's actually going to look it up. Yeah, you guys can A word, him. phrase, or image used in a new and different way in order to create an artistic effect. Huh. That's not what I would have thought. That doesn't seem right to me, but... Where'd you look this up? But who cares? Miriam Webster? Oh, I love Miriam Webster. She's awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's People always a pleasure. can follow you on Twitter at mshowalter. That's right. And they can... Do you want to... Uh, any any other plugs you want to well, put we got, out there? We got topics every went topics at at topics podcast, and uh, we got cat talk coming in the months to come. All and right, they, and they came together as well. Yes, and you can follow and super fun night every Wednesday at nine thirty after Modern Family on ABC. Excellent, and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. Um, you can follow Gary at G Patrick Smith, and we have a ringtone available. Hey hey hey, go fuck yourself. Get that by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Um, and thank you so much for doing the show. Michael? My pleasure. Um, You're the best. Love, you guys are the best. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show?
This is Corolla Digital. Now that the show is over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. Or just go to AllisonRosen.com and click on the Hulu Plus banner.